Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is a Dude Studios production. And hey, I'm the dude. Are you the type of person that's looking to build your liquor collection in your own home? Then go to Country Wine and Spirits Online Liquor Superstore. But check this out. They've also got a monthly vault membership. It's an exclusive offer. What does a monthly membership tips Country Wine and Spirits give you? Well, I'll tell you. You get free two to five business days ground shipping on all your orders over 50 bucks. Special offers, free mystery vault gifts in every shipment. And if you sign up right now, it's only $19.95 a month for the first three months. And if you sign up for this membership, you get 10% off site-wide on every purchase, including sale items. Plus, as a special with Hey Bartender podcast, you get the 10% off if you join the membership. But if you use Hey Bartender 5, you get 5% off your complete purchase. So you're getting 15% off your entire order if you sign up for the membership, plus use Hey Bartender 5 coupon at check out. So go to cwspirits.com, sign up for the membership, get 10% off your entire order, free shipping over $50. Plus, remember to use coupon code HEYBARTENDER5 for an extra 5% off. You can't beat that deal. Go to cwspirits.com. Hi, I'm Lynn House from Chicago, Illinois. I work for Heaven Hill Distillery and Elijah Craig, and you're listening to the Hey Bartender podcast. Hey bartender, pass me a drink. A reason that I'm here is I need time to think. All the ways of the world. Welcome back to Hey Bartender Podcast. I am your bartender for the evening. I am Anthony, so that's what you call me. Sit back, relax, let's have some fun. Today I've got a great show ahead. I have guest Lynn House, who is a representative from Elijah Craig. Lynn, welcome to the show. Hi, Anthony. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for joining and uh, reaching out to be on the show. It's a pleasure to have uh, people like you on this show all the time. Aw, thank you. <laughs> As, like I was telling you before we got started, I like to start off the show with a drink special. What do you have for us today? So uh, we had the autumn equinox this past week. And autumn is my favorite time of year. I'm an autumn baby, and so I love the leaves changing and, you know, all the harvest. So we're going to do an autumnal old-fashioned. Oh, and what old-fashioned? I'm sorry. An autumnal old-fashioned. Okay. So an autumn old-fashioned. So we're going to do that. And it's very, very simple. Um, probably the most complicated part is, so I love gardening and I love cooking, so I make a lot of my syrups and purees. So now that it's fall, you know, apple cider season. So I like to make an apple cider syrup. And it's very easy. Just equal parts of apple cider and cane sugar. And I let that cook down and reduce by about a third. So it's turned into a nice, really pretty syrup. So, and then you can keep that in the refrigerator for a few weeks. It will hold. But, you know, if you just want to make like a small batch, one cup of sugar, one cup of apple cider, 
let that cook down, turn into a syrup, and then you've got a really, really uh, great, easy, quick um, flavoring agent for your cocktail. So I always start off with a great bourbon. And of course, since I work with Elijah Craig, I do two ounces of the Elijah Craig small batch bourbon. And then I take just about um, a half an ounce of this um, apple cider syrup and I put it in a mixing glass, add some ice, stir it up so it gets chilled, gets diluted. And then I add three dashes of Fee Brothers Old Fashioned Bitters. Uh, I love that bitter because it's got cinnamon and clove and allspice, all these flavors that really complement the apple cider syrup and also bring out some of the barrel notes of the Elijah Craig. And give that a quick stir. It's a nice big uh, you know, ice cube in my rocks glass. Drain that cocktail over and sit on the back porch and sip. Well, that sounds amazing. Thank you for giving the recipe on how you made your simple syrup for it or your sweetener for it. I don't get information like that, so I've always been curious. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, thank you so much for that. And remember, people, if you try that out, make sure you email me, dude, at heybartenderpodcast.com and let me know what you thought of it. And well, we can probably even get the inform- uh, send that information to Lynn. We'll give you her information at the end of the show. Absolutely. So, Lynn House, thank you so much for being on the show. Let's uh, start at the beginning. Now, I'm not talking about birth or anything like that. But, <laughs> but have you spent time in the restaurant industry? I've spent over 30 years in the restaurant industry. 30 years? So, yes. So, I actually started in the restaurant industry when I was 18 years old. And um, I was working my way through college. So, I, I started off first as a hostess. And was a hostess until I turned 19, at which point I grew up in Ohio, at which point in Ohio I could serve. And so then I became um, a waiter. And then when I turned 21, I, that was my first time starting to dabble behind the bar. So I've been in this industry for quite a while. Now, in Ohio, uh, because I've been kind of diving in a little bit to liquor laws for different states, um, is it like, uh, well, I'm originally from Oregon. And you could be 18 and work in a bar. You just couldn't pour any any of the drinks. You couldn't even take the bottle caps off any of the beers, but you could still serve it. Is that the same case? Well, it's probably changed over the past few decades. Um, but when I was going to school, you had to be 19, um, but you couldn't be behind the bar to serve. So we could serve food and I could take someone out a glass of wine but we couldn't, we couldn't touch it. We couldn't pour, we couldn't open the bottle or anything until you turn 21. So Ohio is similar to Oregon and the fact that it is a control state. Uh, so those control states tend to have stricter laws than some of the other states in the union. Well, I, I don't know about that because like I said, I've been kind of looking into just for informational purposes when I bring in people from all over the United States to be on the show just to know what the liquor laws are. And then all of a sudden I ran into Pennsylvania and they're strict. They're very strict. <laughs> I mean, they, yeah, but- they still get the job done, but uh, it's just very, very strict. <laughs> right. Pennsylvania is very strict. Um, North Carolina is very strict. Utah is pretty strict. Um, Ohio is fairly strict. You know, it's, it's usually those control states that uh, we're, uh, you know, ABC and such have more of their hands in the, in the liquor laws. No. Yeah. I thought you used to think it was weird in Oregon that even the bars had to buy from the liquor stores at the liquor store prices. Right. 
No, absolutely. And that's what it's, so a lot of your control states have brokers that actually work for the state. So because in those states, uh, the state owns the, the liquor, the liquor store doesn't own the liquor, but the broker gets a percentage for selling it. Mm. And if you work in a bar, a lot of those places you have to go to the liquor store. You don't get the the delivery trucks. Like I live in Chicago, we're kind of the wild, wild west. Um, <laughs> and so you know you can have your liquor delivered, but in a lot of those places you actually have to go to a certified state-run liquor store to um, get your product to have behind the bar. I just. Uh always thought that was kind of fascinating, but you know, it's to keep, keep everybody in the same business, I guess is what they thought of. So you're going to college and you're working in a restaurant. What were you studying in college? I have my degree in theater. So I got a bachelor of fine arts in theater and a minor in arts management. So the goal was to become a big Broadway actor Mm -hmm. and um, which I did get to perform off Broadway and toured for a while and studied in England. You know, I had a, I had a pretty active acting career, mostly the stage, some commercial work. Um, I did do one film with Dolly Parton, and I ended up on the cutting room floor, but I still got paid. Mm. And then I did another film. I can't remember the name of it, but it was uh, a Russian film. And I played a Chicago cop because part of the plot was the, the Russian mob was in Chicago. But it never showed here. It showed in Russia, so I have no idea what the how it ended up. Like. <laughs> yeah, so you get residual yeah. residual checks, though. <laughs> uh, you get residual checks like on the commercial work. So I did I did a couple commercials for like Famous Footwear and for State Farm, and so those, that was always nice to get like that annual check if it was still showing, and you're like, oh yeah, I forgot that work. I did that work and get paid out. So. Sometimes it's only a buck fifty, but hey, it's still money. It's still money. It's still money, and it's a bonus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh, I never studied to be an actor. My only acting credit at this point would be in a department store commercial. But Leonardo DiCaprio was uh, the star of the commercial. This, oh, very cool. This was back in when I was in like seventh grade. He was a dick to all of us, but I don't. You know, that's a story for another time. <laughs> I think he's continued to do that. <laughs> yeah, from what I've heard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's got a reputation, so. So with all that, uh, we, uh, you said you've done some off-Broadway stuff and uh, a little bit of touring. Um, had the, working in the restaurant industry uh, helped keep a roof over your head when you, in between shows? And... Absolutely, it kept a roof over my head. So, you know, when you're, when you're not on the stage, you're not getting a check. So, you know, you get paid while you were doing a show, and then closing night, that's your last check. And you didn't necessarily have another job lined up, you know, you're waiting to audition. So I was very fortunate. I would, um, I worked for Houston's that group, Hillstone Houston's for a very long time. And so, you know, when a show would close, I was able to go back to that job. And then when a new show would open, I'd take a couple months off. And um, so I did that for quite a long time, but it definitely paid the bills. And then as I got older and theater work became less and less it paid all the bills so uh that's how i really gravitated towards working in hospitality is more of a full-time job because i liked having a roof over my head exactly (laughs) now yeah i've heard more than one actor uh from a list to bottom uh, bottom of the barrel say that basically when your project's over whether it's a movie tv show play whatever you're basically unemployed uh, pretty much <laughs> and, and you know and you got to start all over to go find another job and so 
having that bartending job as uh as a backspring per se that probably helped out quite a bit it helped out tremendously i mean and you know actors are we're also notoriously bad with our money, so it wasn't like <laughs> I'm working and I'm putting all this away in savings. It really was, okay, now I'm unemployed and I need to, you know, audition, try to get a commercial. But in between, you know, you could go wait tables and 10 bar and bring in cash and just keep the bills paid and food on the table and take care of family and such. So so that he, you had to have a really cool boss uh, or at least very understanding boss that would let you go for however long to do a show or take it time off to go do an audition? Well, I worked for Houston's, as I was saying, for a long time, and they have a very unique system. Um, when you get a schedule, that's your permanent schedule. So if you want to take time off, you just have to get your shift covered. And it works in a kind of a tier system. You get ranked, and the higher your ranking is, the better the shifts you have. So I always made sure to stay in that like top five. So I had the premium night. So I was gone for two or three months. There was always somebody who was new. It was like, I want that Friday night. I want that. And I just sign away the next three months. And then when I come back, I'm like, that's still my schedule and walk right back into it. You so, never had a problem a- with people going, Hey, no, this is mine now. Or. Oh no, no, no. Because it was all through ranking. So as mm. long as I kept that top 10 ranking, I got to pick what schedule I wanted. It's kind of, the way that, which is a little more unique than others. Um, but I have worked other jobs where, um, you know, if I got the boss tickets to the show, they were pretty, (laughs) (laughs) they're pretty lenient. Like, all right, you know, I'm like, I'm going to be gone for three months and come back. But you know, I think also when you're a really good employee and a strong employee, your boss wants that and wants to keep you around. Sure. Now that was going to be my next question. Uh, now I, back when I worked in the service industry, my, all the places that I worked except for one because uh, that business was uh, circling the toilet, but uh, all the other places that I worked, we all supported each other uh, at pretty much everything. Uh, we'd gone to their kid, uh, my, you know, kids graduations. We congratulated each other when we accomplished something, we'd go to uh, other friends, kids school plays, or, you know, if one of us, uh, was doing some kind of stage work or something like that, we would be there to support. Did they? Did your coworkers support you like that? Oh, absolutely. And I'm still friends with so many, even people that I was in college with, because, you know, in college, if I got cast in the show, I still had to, like, pick college, work, and then rehearse for the show. So, And there are a lot of actors that work, so it was like, I'll cover you for this audition or you for this. But it was also just like, you know, the community – you work really closely with people. And I know like there was um, a time I have a, I have a daughter. She's older now. She's in her thirties, but she, um, the apartment she was living in caught on fire and um, she, and she had two little kids at the time and, and her husband were homeless essentially. And all my friends from across the country in the hospitality industry found out and there were fundraisers and people, you know, sent blankets and toys for the kids and, it just reminds me of why I love this community so much mm. is because, you know, I've also seen with other friends who've gotten sick, you know, cancer or something like that. We really rally together and um, try and help those people out because, you know, we know how intense the industry can be and, and it just helps you develop a really cool bond. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, I the last bar that I worked at for the longest, 
I used to consider me and my coworkers almost family. Dysfunctional as hell, but we were still family. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Incredibly dysfunctional, but isn't most families? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, it, it was always a good feeling that as soon as one of us said something was going on in our lives or, you know, we were always there either for support or just to be there. And uh, right. even there was even one time where we heard one of our colleagues that had quit. Uh, she had a tragedy in the family and boom, we were all there and it felt good. So situations like you were talking about where uh, the, you sounds like you more than you, more than just the uh, the community that you were around, but you got a greater community to come in and Absolutely. help out. But it was cool. I mean, because I have, you know, there were gift cards and such being sent from people I just didn't even know. Um, mm. But it, you know, just went through the. They're like, absolutely, let's help. Let's help somebody out. You know, who's in the industry, who's you know, them or their family are having a tough time. So, so working in theater and uh, bartending at the same time. I've there there are times where I've considered um, bartender me uh, a character because you know I'm home I'm quiet even up to let's say about fifteen minutes before my shift I'm sitting in my car listening to music and just trying to gather gather my thoughts maybe even trying to learn a joke that I uh, have on a CD so I can tell it to the people at the bar uh, does your theater experience kind uh, kind of melt into your bartending experience. Absolutely. I, I always tell people that I'm always on stage, <laughs> you know, so, um, I mean, first it was easy, my theater experience, you know, you're performing for crowds. So when you're in front of lots of people and lots of personalities, it, it helps you develop that. But I think we had very similar, I didn't sit in my car, but I would usually just go sit in a quiet corner before a shift would start, you know, have like, make sure everything was in place, think about what I needed. If I was in a bad mood, shake off that mood, you know, and then you just came in, it was like bartender Lynn. And then at the end of the night, kind of turn it off and have a beer and go home and just have quiet. <laughs> yeah. Enjoy the quiet, kind of decompress yeah. on the way home. Absolutely. Yeah. As, uh, like, uh, like I was telling you earlier, I, uh, I found out that a lot of bartenders are a little bit introverted and myself definitely included. So uh, there would be days where I'd have to sit in my car before walking in and, you know, listen to my favorite song, pump myself up, uh, you know, smoke a cigarette, whatever, before I even set, uh, set foot inside the bar. Because as soon as I set foot in there, it's, you know, game on. Everybody's right. like, hey, you're here. How you doing? And, and you can't really hide from that. Well, hide in the manager's office, maybe the walk-in freezer. <laughs> I've done some um, hiding in the walk-in freezer before, you know, <laughs> like typically if you have a surly guest and um, my bartenders will laugh if they're listening. I would always say, I'm like, um, I'll be right back. I got to go get some medicine. And I go down, maybe have a little shot of bourbon, a little <laughs> shot of rice, kind of come back up. So I was just like, got to keep going, got to keep going. Had to take the edge off, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, very, very similar, I would say. I've uh, worked with people that are the same that they had to take a, a little bit of medicine on, on their way inside the walk-in freezer. Uh, myself, I was more into uh, uh, yelling very loud or uh, <laughs> punching the produce boxes, you know? 
I had a friend who would uh, break glass. She would break she would, glass? Uh, she would she'd grab like a wine glass or two if she had someone who's really she'd go out in the alley and like throw it against the uh, the brick wall <laughs> and just be like, ah <laughs> I'm sure that was very satisfying, but dangerous. <laughs> Satisfying, dangerous, and definitely didn't want the boss to find out that you were breaking glasses. <laughs> she would. I, there was one night, I remember, she grabbed like six wine glasses. She had a couple that was really putting her through the paces. She's like, I'll be back in 10 minutes. It's just, it's like, <laughs> winging them at the wall. Looked it up, you know, and like, the manager was none the wiser. We all knew what she was doing. But, it's yeah, sometimes you have to find unique ways to blow off that steam. Yeah. I had one friend that used to, uh, Oregon's known for its rain. When she was especially frustrated, she used to like to go stomp around out in the uh, puddles. Yeah. <laughs> and then she'd come back in, and uh, at the first time I saw her, I'm like, why are you all wet? And she goes, oh, just playing around in the puddles. I'm, oh, okay. And then much later on, it's bad night. <laughs> right. If you started noticing a pattern, you're like, oh, I see what's going on here. So, yeah. <laughs> so, how did uh, theater work and bartending uh, lead you into Elijah Craig? Well, I started, um, as I was saying, like, I went through, like, a dry spell with roles. <laughs> mm. I, you know, couldn't get a, a truck to hit you. You're auditioning and auditioning. And so, of course, you got to keep paying the bills. And um, about that time, that theater work was slowing down. It was really when we were getting into the Renaissance, really a kind of a cocktail age. And um, that was in the, you know early to mid 2000s and you know as I was mentioning I like to cook I like to garden I make a lot of things just naturally and so as we were rediscovering all these classic cocktails and learning techniques I started studying Um, I went to the Academy of Spirits and Fine Service the Advanced Academy of Culinary Mixology and I went through Bar Smart and I was really good people were like you're really good your cocktails are really good and so I ended up running several high-profile beverage programs in Chicago. And um, after doing that for years, I actually um, tore my tendon from shaking cocktails so much. Really? It's tennis elbow. Bartenders can get it. It's tennis elbow from repetitive motion. And so uh, that is painful. Yeah. <laughs> I don't and, think I've ever heard of that before. I've heard of like bar rot, but I've never heard of getting tennis elbow from using a shaker. Yeah, because you just got to think if you're all night long repetitive motion and your tendons and such can get weak. And so um, I looked to kind of go into a different line of the work and the business. And there was an opportunity with Heaven Hill Brands to um, become their national Pama brand ambassador, the liqueur they make. And so I started there, but because my experience is so um, deep, as far as spirits are concerned, I then was promoted to um, national brand educator. And then three years ago, I was promoted to portfolio mixologist and spirit specialist for the whole country. And so, you know, with that, our portfolio, and of course, Elijah Craig being uh, an anchor for us, you know, I just work more and more with Elijah Craig and recipes. And, you know, when I've traveled around the country, I teach people about, how the brand is made, what cocktails work with it. And it's, so it's just been kind of a natural uh, progression and in, in, on the brand side of things. Yes. That's, uh, that's impressive that you're able to, uh, it sounds like you climbed very quickly. 
So uh, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Thank uh, you. I, it's probably the Virgo in me. <laughs> <laughs> now, Elijah Craig, uh, it's been around for quite a while. Yeah, Elijah Craig was created in, um, in 1986, and it was, um, it was a um, Parker Beam who was our master distiller for a long time. We, we lost him several years back, but he is the creator of Elijah Craig uh, bourbon. And so we've been making it since 1986. So it's been a while for a few decades. Yeah. Now, Elijah Craig, uh, the most, now uh, you've got a wide selection of bourbons out there. Can you name a few for me? Absolutely. So we also, Evan Williams, is one of our, our signature brands, Larceny Bourbon, um, Henry McKenna. I mentioned the Parker. We have a whole collective series of Parker's Heritage. We make Rittenhouse Rye, Mellow Corn, Corn Whiskey. And then we're always innovating with um, new whiskeys, new formulas, uh, some things like Old Fitzgerald um, that are rare. In the Elijah Craig, we have an 18-year-old. We have a Toasted Barrel. We have Elijah Craig Rye, and we also do um, Elijah Craig Barrel Proof, which several years ago at uh, San Francisco World Spirits, it won Best Whiskey in the World. Oh, um, wow. As well as um, with Whiskey Advocate. So we have a, we have a really wonderfully diverse um, bourbon and whiskey portfolio. For being around for 35 years, yeah, that's uh, very impressive. And Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like uh, they're kind of dipping their toes a little bit here and there, trying it, uh, as much as they can. Elijah Craig is a true small batch premium bourbon and had that distinction before the term even existed. Bottled exclusively from a dumping of 100 barrels or less, the brand carries the name of Reverend Elijah Craig, the Baptist minister widely considered the father of bourbon. He discovered the method of making true Kentucky bourbon when he stored his wares in barrels that had been charred in fire. Elijah Craig is highly acclaimed. It is awarded Best of the Best Bourbon in 2001 by Whiskey Magazine and received a double gold medal at the San Francisco World Spirits Competition. Whiskey expert Stuart McLean Ramsey writes, Rich, full-bodied, and warm with a sweet oak, caramel, and rye flavors, thick finish with notes of licorice and vanilla. You can pick up Elijah Craig, including their small batch bourbon, at Country Wine and Spirits. That's cwspirits.com. Just remember to use coupon code HEYBARTENDER5 at checkout, and you will receive 5% off your entire order. Plus, free shipping on any orders over $125. The opportunity can't be beat. Go to cwspirits.com. Use promo code HEYBARTENDER5. Do you have a preference when it comes to Elijah Craig? You said during the uh, drink special that you like the single barrel. I like, so there's, um, so what's going to be in the single barrel, that's usually, that's going to be like private labels. Um, people can do barrel picks, and there have been some really delicious ones out there. Uh, the small batch, I think, is the, is, in the family of Elijah Craig, the one that people are most familiar with. Uh, we recently, two years ago, launched Elijah Craig Rye, and it's delicious. But if I were to pick my favorite, there's not a lot out of it, but um, the Elijah Craig 18-year-old, because that is just gorgeous juice. <laughs> <laughs> 
Have you been to the but dist- 18 year old? So it's a little more expensive than the other. So. Oh, oh yeah, obviously. <laughs> uh, have you been to the distillery? Absolutely. I just was at the distillery about a week ago. So um, our distillery is in Louisville and then our rick houses, which is where we store our whiskeys are in Bardstown, which is about 35, 40 minutes outside of Louisville. So mm. we ha- right now have about, within our whiskeys, about 1.9 million barrels of whiskeys aging in our 60-plus Rick houses. So wow. we're aging more whiskey than actually people live in Kentucky. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So, so let's talk about the old-fashioned for a little bit. Now, I'm... I'm going to tell you a story that's, uh, if it doesn't make your skin crawl, well, if it makes your skin crawl, sorry about this, <laughs> but, uh, I went to bartending school and after it, uh, after the first week of classes, the teacher told us, go through your book and pick it, you know, try drinks. When you go out this weekend, try drinks. And honestly, the first drink that I tried out of the, uh, list of a hundred drinks that they taught us. Uh, was an old fashioned, but we went to a restaurant and uh, the bartender comes over to me and my girlfriend and he's, uh, he says, what can I get you? And I said, I'd like to try an old fashioned. And he says, what kind of whiskey? And I uh, named the first whiskey that came off the top of my head. And then he comes back a couple minutes later and he goes, I don't have any oranges. So I'm going to put in a little bit of orange juice. Oh, <laughs> and so my first, well, and truthfully only experience with an old fashioned was made that way. And so, you know, it left a bad taste in my mouth, obviously. <laughs> but so uh, tell us a little, uh, tell me a little bit more about old fashions, you know, because uh, they go back uh, like what, early railroad days or something like that? So they go back quite a while. So to understand an old fashioned, you first need to understand what a cocktail is. And the first time we see the word cocktail as far as a formal definition is in 1806. It's a New England journal. And it says that a cocktail is spirit, bitters, water, and sugar. Um, Mm. And so that was the, went in and whether it was gin or, whiskey, rye, scotch, and you had a rye cocktail with, you know, bourbon cocktail, a gin cocktail, it was going to have in it spirit, bitter, sugar, and water. And so when newfangled cocktails and people were getting really extra fancy were cocktails and someone just wanted that basic cocktail, they would say like, I'd like an old fashioned style cocktail. Um, But in 1917, a gentleman by the name of Thomas Bullock, um, he was a African-American bartender at the Pendennis Club in Louisville. He writes a cocktail book called The Ideal Bartender, which many of us still follow to this day. And it is the first time that we actually see an old-fashioned, and not old-fashioned style cocktail, but the word old-fashioned in print, and it's bourbon, so spirit, bitters, water, sugar. So it really harkens back to you know, just what a cocktail is, what the definition of a cocktail is. So mm. the old fashioned is, you know, you know, whether you're drinking a bourbon one or a rye one, you know, people will experiment with some others. It's going to be spirit, bitters, sugar, and water. And so it's just, it's a, it's a tried and true recipe that has stood, you know, for 200 years. So. Yeah. It's, I've never heard that history before. Now that's actually very fascinating is so it goes 
it goes back uh, really far, but it was made famous by in 1917, you said? 1917, right. Ah, okay. Uh, all it took, all it usually takes is one person to write it down. That's, <laughs> and then it becomes famous. Right. And so other people were making it, but he was the first one to put a formal recipe, you know, pen to paper. Um, and, uh, you know, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, there's, I've mentioned dozens of times that there's a thousand different drinks made a thousand different ma- ways made a, uh, named a thousand different things. And there, there's even a drink on my TikTok that I made, but I forgot during the video to uh, tell them what the name of the drink is. But I've pretty much come to the realization: you're going to call it whatever you want. Just take the recipe, you know, show it to the right, bartender, right. or take it behind the bar yourself. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the most important thing between goofing off and actually doing the work is writing it down. So uh, that's uh, that's an awesome history. Uh, thank you so much for that. Now, um, now that leads into Old Fashioned Week. Yeah. So tell me about Old Fashioned Week. So Elijah Craig Old Fashioned Week, this is our third year um, with this program. And it really was born out of a way to give back to the community, um, the bartending community. You know, the bartending community is really who've been so essential in making Elijah Craig a very, you know, successful uh, brand for us at Heaven Hill. And so it's uh, about 10 days and this is our third year doing it. And so there's always been a double kind of edge sword charitable um, aspect to it. First, um, what we do is bars that we get signed up for. And this ended up being really important during COVID you know, we can go, you can go to oldfashionedweek.com and plug in your zip code and find out who's participating. So it helps put butts and seats, mm. right? It get people back out in the hospitality. So that's great for those accounts um, if they want to do a charity pool or not. But then we also have a, a second component where when you're out, we want people to take pictures and post it, you know, to Elijah Craig. And for every picture that we get of you in a venue celebrating, having an old fashioned, we're going to donate um, $5 with a goal of raising a hundred thousand dollars that go to the hospitality industry. Uh, so this year we're partnered with Southern smoke, uh, which is fantastic. They, you know, a lot of what they do not only help with relief, you know, I know they're creating some um, programming for Puerto Rico, obviously to help out that hospitality community. Um, but they also um, are raising money to, have grants for mental health and for legal counsel. Um, most <laughs> people who work at a restaurant aren't millionaires, no. you know, and, <laughs> and I think, you know, what they really saw was such the need for that, particularly coming out of the pandemic. You know, it was a very stressful time for hospitality because restaurants were closing, you know, or if you opened all the restrictions just so everyone could stay safe and, that's people's bread and butter. That's their livelihoods. They're supporting families. So we're really thrilled to be partnered with them again this year. Um, it, it was created by a chef by the name of Chris Shepard who lives in Houston, Texas. And it really started, um, he had a friend several years ago who had MS and couldn't work. And so he decided to get a bunch of chef friends together and they did a big barbecue and they raised a ton of money to help this guy with his, you know, his hospital bills and his care and, taking care of his home and he was like 
this, he recognized the passion. And so this is now what he does full time um, year round is Southern Smoke. So that's who we partnered with this year. And our goal, which we achieved for the last two years, um, to raise $100,000. And it's a straight um, donation to the organization. They get the full, we pay all the fees and everything like that. And um, it's just a really great way to celebrate a community that has really been important and celebrated us. So. Now, uh, the uh, Southern Smoke Foundation you were just t- talking about, uh, I jumped on their website and took a look at it. It was, uh, it was southernsmokefoundation.com, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I went and took a look at it, and not only can, uh, does Elijah Craig donate towards them, but anybody can uh, donate anything. Uh, there's, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And it's all about helping people of the service industry. Yeah. Most of us in the service industry, uh, there's people out there that just don't realize that we, uh, if something were to happen, we break our foot. You know, we got we got a little careless with the beer keg, and then boom, and now we're out of work for a month to three months. Uh, right. And, and most don't have health insurance. Right. And um, or you know, or are really living kind of paycheck to paycheck, and um, so it's a really important organization. And um, I'm just so proud that we're partnered with them for this year um, and really looking forward to not only what we're doing for old fashioned week, but to raise awareness, you know, with all your listeners and with other people, people going to the bars to raise awareness about this organization. So like I said, you can, you can donate 365 to them, you know, so and using the, uh, uh, using the old fashioned week, uh, it's a great way to promote it and, uh, create awareness because, uh, bartenders all over the place, you know, we don't have medical insurance and some of us, uh, other than being introverted, sometimes we take home things from our bar shift that we really shouldn't take home, but uh, you know, they're just sitting there on our shoulders. Like you had a customer yell at you and that hit you kind of hard or a customer spilled all their problems on you and you can't get it out of your head. And, right. And so it becomes like a metaphorical tumor on, on the side of your head. And some, sometimes you just need help to get that out. And it, it's great to know that there's a foundation out there that actually will assist with you in that uh, type of situation. Um, what can you tell me? Uh, can, what can you tell me more about the Southern Smoke Foundation? You know, just that they've been around for a few years. They aren't quite national yet, but they are talking with Chef Chris. They are, are working, being established in more and more states, which is fantastic. Um, like I said, he's, he's set a huge goal when it comes to mental health awareness and for providing resources where people in the industry can go and get the help they need. You know, not we don't. I think society in general doesn't talk about the importance of mental health. And sometimes it's hard to pay for those resources. There are a lot of um, companies, even if you have insurance, they're not paying for that. You know, Uh, that becomes an optional insurance. And so uh, I think the fact that he's really creating this fund that anybody in the hospitality industry, you know, bartender, server, busser, hostess, chef, you know, manager who needs this assistance. And particularly, like I said, coming out of the last couple of years where, it was very, very stressful for a lot of people Mm. uh, to have, to lose your job, to not know if you're going to get your job. Um, If your restaurant's closing and your restaurant doesn't open again, you know, and not to have other resources to fall on. So I I think it's, I love the fact that 
mental health is a huge, huge focus of his um, because we don't talk about it enough in the industry. You know, we go, we have a beer, we pretend like nothing happened and shake off the day and yeah. bad, bad habits are developed and, and such. So next thing you know, you're throwing six glasses, uh, wine glasses against the wall. And <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, or, or if you break, you know, I remember like, like I said, my injury, I didn't have insurance that covered um, that injury. So I still had to bartend with a soft cast on for six months while my tendon reattached. Right. And that's also when I was like, okay, I need to find a job with really good insurance too, you know, because if I do get hurt or I do get sick, then I have something to fall back on. So, so would it, uh, sorry to backtrack just a little bit, but we were talking about mental health. Now during your time in the hospitality industry slash uh, theater work, uh, some things had to be messing with your head. Oh, no, they didn't have to, but they could have messed with your head because I've heard stories of auditions, you know, you, uh, and you know, the person you, before you even walk in too tall, get out or something like that. And then not only having to deal with doing auditions where they can, uh, some of the people that are doing the auditions can really break you, but then having to go into the bar and you maybe have to break up a fight that night or, Somebody's uh, somebody decided that uh, they needed it really needed to ruin your life because they didn't get that extra cup of ranch. Uh, oh yeah, all of the above has happened. <laughs> you know, or you know, like the show that you really really want, and then when you don't get it, you know, acting is personal, but it's not personal. You're the brand that you're selling. Mm. So if you don't get hired, you know, it's like they didn't like me. What didn't they like about me? You know, it's not just that. I prefer Pepsi over Coke, you know, yeah. um, you are that brand. And so it's very personal. So that does mess with your head. And it's particularly if you have like a slow period, you know, like I remember I worked really solidly for two years in theater. And then I had two years where I just could not get apart, you know, and you start to feel like, am I worthy? And then definitely the days that you um, were talking about, I've broken up bar fights and, I'm five foot four and I've broken up bar fights and guys who were like six, two. And I'm like, seriously, I have to do this tonight, you know? And, <laughs> or you have, um, uh, you're kind of stuck sometimes and you can have some really interesting people come in and you've got nowhere to go, but deal with someone who's just either completely inappropriate and doesn't care mm-hmm. or just mean or, you know, there's a lot of great things, you know, but those, those days can really, you know, um, mess with you. Yeah. And, um, you know, you come home depressed or you're just sad or, you know, or you're just sore, you're standing on your feet all day long and you're, you know, your ankles hurt, your back hurts, your wrist hurts, your shoulder hurts. And so, you know, I think just like with any other job, there's definitely things that can play with your mind, but it's, um, you know, your drink gets sent back. That's personal too. It's like, why they send the drink back? Why didn't they like the drink? You know, mm-hmm. I don't want to like, you know, mean mugging the person. What did you like about me? What do you like about <laughs> what I create? So, yeah. I've, I've had all the above and it, and it can, it can be, uh, it can be intense, you know, again. So it definitely lends itself to what we're talking about with those mental health issues and really addressing that. And, you know, we, when you're at the bar, someone vents to you all night long and then you got to go home and go to sleep, you know, and <laughs> you're thinking about it and you're like, I have no one to talk to or just to kind of get things off my shoulder. So, yeah. uh, how do you deal with negative energy like, uh, such as that? 
Um, and it's been a journey to deal with negative energy. I definitely, um, I definitely had some days crying in the walk-in, <laughs> you know, um, those days have definitely happened or come home. I have a good set of friends. So if I'm having a really bad moment, you know, they were working in similar positions so we could kind of call and commiserate to so getting it out. I've also just really worked on, um, being more positive and I did go through therapy. I went through therapy for two and a half years, um, just to be happy in general, but also how to deal with stress. Um, and my therapist told me a great thing. Uh, she said, no matter how bad your day has been, when you go to bed, just be thankful for one thing. And she's like, sometimes what you can be thankful for is just that this horrible day is over. And she's like, that's completely fine, but it, it help you reset or help you kind of put that stress into a good place. And so I've never forgotten that. And there are lots of days where I'm just like, I'm just thankful this day is over. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, my favorite uh, thing to th- think about before I go to bed, if I can't think of anything else, uh, just to make, because like you said, you got to make yourself laugh maybe before you go to bed, get your mind off of whatever was bothering you before is uh, never take a sleeping pill and a laxative at the same time. No, because that's going to create a whole other. (laughs) (laughs) Your friend's stomping around. That's uh, laying in bed, splashing around. No, no. I I do take ashwagandha, though. I really like that. It it helps me calm down and eases my mood and helps me sleep through the night. So I always recommend that to people. Sure. Um. So did, do you think your theater and your bar experience, cause it sounds like you're very studied, uh, in the cocktail industry uh, from the information you gave me just on the old fashioned alone. Uh, did you take a lot of time and read books and study, uh, the bartending industry? I was very fortunate to have some really great mentors. So, um, the first thing I went through, I live in Chicago and, um, wonderful woman by the name of Bridget Albert taught this fantastic class. Um, it was a 12 week class. So I uh, took that and then there was an advanced class, which was another 12 week program. So I went through that. There's bar and bar smarts, which is um, out of New York, but people from all over the country, bartenders all over the country um, apply to go and go through that. So I went through that training program. I've read a ton of books. If you saw my house, pretty much equal cocktail books and cookbooks because I love to cook, as I mentioned, Mm -hmm. and love flavors. And, you know, I've just, as I've had the opportunity to, when you can learn, go learn. So I love going to other bars and watching people, looking at their menus. I've had um, some of the greats, Dale DeGroff, Gary Regan, Tony Albuganum, Francesca LaFranco, you know, Audrey Saunders, to go and sit at the venues that they work and these are world famous um, people in the industry and pick their brain. And if if I had the opportunity to work with them, I did. I also did a lot of competitions. So I competed in a lot of competitions, which definitely helped me hone in my skills and be become more confident. And through that, you meet people from all over the world. Um, So, and uh, I, I just, I'm a reader. So I'm constantly, you know, if it's cookbooks, I look at it, think about flavors. I love playing around. Um, so I do my own R&D a lot as well. And it's just grown. And uh, 
now I've been doing this 30 plus years. I started out making frozen blue Hawaiians and now I'm crafting old fashioned and whiskey cocktails and helping develop brands and such. So, yeah. Now, do you think theater lent to being in front of people behind the bar as, uh, and also both of those feeding towards being an ambassador for Elijah Craig? Absolutely. Theater. I mean, theater taught me how to be comfortable in front of people. Um, with theater, you have a script. You've got to know your script in order to be able to do it. So, you know, I know the products that are behind the bar. That's my script. I know all the classic cocktails. That's my script. So that's always very, you know, confident about that. I think theater also um, helps me connect with people, which is very important with brand work. You know, there's nothing more, or I should say, least exciting about somebody getting up and talking very monotone about their brand and just reading, you know, I get very animated and um, some people are like, it's almost like being at a show when I'm doing a, when I'm doing a class and such, uh, you know, which puts people at ease. It makes them feel comfortable. And, you know, I tell them like spirits are fun, you know, don't let it overwhelm you. You know, we're going to have fun learning about it. Um, I also come from a family of teachers. And so I love teaching people. I love sharing my knowledge and uh, you know, Theater also taught me how to speak loud and enunciate, and which is really important. When we do events, we're always like, do you need a mic? And I'm like, I don't need a mic. My diaphragm <laughs> from from studying and singing and such. I'm like, I have a really loud voice. I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> did anybody, did you make the bar, uh, your bar go completely quiet when you yelled, knock it off or last call? <laughs> um... I think the bar went completely quiet when I uh, broke up that one fight the one time. <laughs> Everyone was kind of stunned as I took these two guys down. And my my mom voice definitely came out like <laughs> you know, <laughs> the eyes, the crazy eyes. My daughter will tell you, and I'm like mad. I get crazy eyes. <laughs> and so um, I've done that. Um, we used to work in a place that, you know, when it was last call, we wanted you out. We always played happy trails and just slam the chairs down <laughs> on the table. It's time to go. <laughs> yeah. uh, here's your final yeah. hint. It's <laughs> not such a subtle hint anymore. <laughs> we gave you the other hints and you're just not paying attention. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's, uh, it's just fascinating how uh, uh, one career lends to another lends to another. And I find that uh, very fascinating just because uh I've always told everybody that works in the service industry, not just being a bartender, host, whatever, uh, that, you know, some people have lamented in their minds that this is the, this is it. This is the job, the only job I'm qualified for. This is all I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And, you know, I'm not one to say, uh, I will never, ever tell a bartender server, you know, you should get a better job because they've got a job. That's all that matters. Right. Uh, but uh, you know, when they've s- sat there and started feeling sorry for themselves for whatever reason, that they're, you know, I'm going to be a server for the rest of my life. And I'm like, are you kidding? You know how many things you can do just based on being a server? You just have to be able to, um, you know, let people know that. You know, you're obviously, you just upgraded that person's uh, steak uh, to a T-bone instead of a ribeye. You're good at sales. And uh, you, you do, you do your own books every night. 
and so you're a bookkeeper and you know you just have to be able to sell that part of you when you go for any certain job and yeah and, i know a lot of people who've gone into real estate from coming out of hospitality because mm-hmm. they know like you said they know how to sell yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah yeah uh, I know how to put lipstick on a pig sometimes, right? Like, <laughs> the greatest thing. You're going to love this house. Um, but I've had a lot of friends go into real estate. I mean, obviously, I went into the brand work side of things. I've had friends become lawyers because they're good at multitasking and negotiating and, you know, or owning your own shop. Like I said, you're a bookkeeper. You know how to read people. And um, But I think what's kind of funny is when I was working full-time, um, in this industry, my parents definitely were like, well, when are you going to get a, a real job? Mm-hmm. You know, you hear that. That all I'm like, like I have a real job and I don't have to work nine to five and I'm making double than what some of my friends are who are stuck in a cubicle all day. But I remember like the first time, um, I think my dad, and this is recently, this is in the like, last six, seven years. Like I said, I've been doing this for 35 years. He was at the airport and Someone was reading like a beverage magazine and, um, you know, my dad's like, oh, my daughter bartends and I doubt, you know, her and like said my name. And I was like, oh, I know Lynn House. She did it, you know, she's like, you know, won all these competitions and she's one of the best, you know. So my dad then was suddenly like so proud that I was in the industry. <laughs> <laughs> like for the 20 years you've been on my case about it, suddenly some complete stranger in an airport in California makes you feel good about my job. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. <laughs> well, sometimes, uh, sometimes it takes that little bit of a nudge to get uh, some people to realize, oh, uh, you are, it is a job. You're marketing yourself. Craft, right. Yeah. 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 That was a 20 year nudge. <laughs> <laughs> so um, are you able to tell me uh, what's on the future for Elijah Craig right now? What's in the future for Elijah Craig right now? Well, we've obviously got Old Fashioned Week coming up. We, um, right now, for all of you whiskey lovers out there, is when we start releasing some of our um, kind of higher end. So the Elijah Craig 18 year, the um, Elijah Craig small batch. I think we're getting ready to release the C series. So we, not the small batch, but I'm sorry, but the barrel proof. So we, do three releases a year of barrel proof and each one is different. So you can look on the back and see A, B or C. So we're getting ready to go into our C series of that. I've had samples. It's quite tasty. Mm. Um, we recently last year, the rye and the toasted barrel. And so that's becoming more and more available throughout the country. So, and I'm sure you'll see some things down the pike, you know, um, we have a lot of whiskey aging and a lot of things we're trying to figure out, but that's what's going on with Elijah Craig right now. Oh, okay. That's great. Now um, we're coming up close to the end of the show, but uh, I want you to just uh, give me, uh, give me a little bit more information on where and when people can find out about uh, uh, more about or in participate with old fashioned week and uh, where and how people can participate with the Southern smoke foundation absolutely so our partner southern smoke foundation mentioned you can go to southern smoke foundation.com find out a lot of information they also have an instagram page and a facebook page so you can follow them on social media see what they're doing see what the needs are 
for Elijah Craig, you can go to Elijah Craig old um, Instagram page or Facebook page and find out more about that. We also have the uh, website oldfashionedweek.com um, that will you can plug in the zip codes and find out what bars and restaurants in your part of the woods or if you're traveling, you know who's making old fashions. Um, it's going to be fun because you'll see a lot of different variations, and so that's kind of cool. I know some people like in some of the zip zip codes are doing like bar crawls and going to a few <laughs> different places. So you can go there. Um, Old Fashion Week is October 14th through the 23rd. Um, so look for that, that those 10 days um, where we're celebrating the old fashioned. We're celebrating the industry. Um, you can follow me at Liquid Lady Lynn on Instagram. Um, I have a Twitter account, but I don't tweet. Neither do I. <laughs> I can't, I can't yeah. stand Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Twitter. I, it, I have one, but I just don't use it. But Instagram, so I'll definitely be sharing some things or sharing where I'm at. Um, I know that I'll be traveling, um, for old fashioned week. I'll be in Chicago for part of it. Um, I will then go to Charleston, South Carolina, and I will finish up old fashioned week in Charlotte. So I'll be doing some events throughout the country with those markets, as well as our master distiller, um, Bernie lovers, um, who is our national whiskey ambassador and, um, Jack Choate, who is our West coast whiskey ambassador. So we'll all be out in market doing things some fun events. So you can follow us as well. Sound busy. <laughs> it's it's going to be a busy 10, 11 days. <laughs> but it sounds like a lot of fun and uh, I'll encourage everybody to go out there and uh, do that. So uh, to raise money and use their phones for something better than getting their neighbor in trouble. So <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Take a picture for cocktail, post it for every picture. That's $5. We donate to Southern Smith. That's so cool. Well, uh, Lynn House, thank you so much for being on the show. And uh, if ever you want to come back for any reason, just let me know. All right. Excellent. Thank you so much, Kathy. It's been fun tonight. All right, people. It is last call. Last call for alcohol. Come on up and get your drink before you have to go home real quick. No blended drinks, please. I don't want to. I'm already got that cleaned and put away. Uh, just get over it. Uh, big thanks to Lynn House for being on the show. Uh, remember guys, if you want to donate to, uh, her cause, just all you have to do is visit the website, southernsmokefoundation.com. Uh, every little bit helps because, um, as bartenders and servers out there, we need a little bit of extra help because we don't get the opportunities that, uh, people that wear suit and ties and sit in a chair all day long get. So, uh, go check that out. Maybe tell your friends about it. Uh, get, get the ball rolling on that sort of thing. Also remember to uh, celebrate Old Fashioned Week. And uh, all the dates and stuff were back in the podcast. Um, just have some fun with it. And, you know, all everything turns into a charity. And we all help each other out one way or another. Because, let's face it, bartenders, servers, we're all a family. We all have something in common. We all have stories. That's why I started this podcast. It's for you guys. Big thanks to Laura Hope and the Arctones for their song, Dr. Bartender. Guys, remember to go check them out on all the streaming services and because they've got some great music out there. I can't stop listening to it. But I'm a big fan of swing music and rockabilly music. It, it just gets my blood pumping. 
Don't forget to visit Country Wine and Spirits. That's cwspirits.com. And use promo code HeyBartender5 at checkout to get 5% off your entire order. There's tons of stuff on there, people, and there's tons of stuff that are really good that you probably haven't tried yet. So go over to cwspirits.com, use HeyBartender5 at checkout, and experiment a little bit. Remember, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. All of those are at Hey Bartender Podcast. I've been doing this whole string of strange liquor laws by state. You guys should really check that out. Help support me on TikTok because I get a lot of, uh, you know, well, according to Toxic Shock Official, you know, uh, being on social media, I have over 20, uh, 22,000 followers on uh, within the last month on TikTok, and you know my mind is blown. I never thought it would ever get that high, but uh, you know a lot of people jump on there and they see the videos, and I make a comment about the service industry, and that there's people on there that sit there and say, "Why don't you just get a better job?" or "You're a bartender. Why don't you just do your job?" Because I kind of said I hate blenders, but uh, you know people just don't understand, and that's uh, that's their life. They've never worked in the service industry before, so. Any help that you guys can give me, that would be totally awesome. Finally, don't forget to visit www.heybartenderpodcast.com. You can listen to the latest episodes, and you can check out some of the Hey Bartender Podcast swag I got going on there. I'm kind of thinking about changing it up a little bit. Anybody want to help me out design t-shirts or stuff, uh, more different swag to put on the website? Let me know. Email me, dude, at heybartenderpodcast.com. But that's it for Hey Bartender Podcast, people. Thank you so much for listening. New episodes every Saturday at 7. Uh, it's coming up on the holiday season. It's going to get a little rough, get a little bit busy, but I intend to try to do my best to get more content out for you guys. Uh, thank you so much for your support and following me. And as always, I wish you all lots of love, lots of sex, lots of happiness. And remember, don't take any shit from anyone. Good night. What do you mean it's let's go? I just got here!